This is a podcast examining the lives and drives of creative thinkers. People who've turned their dreams into their career. Writers, directors, actors and public speakers, artists and musicians, fellow podcasters, and more. How does creativity work? And how can it pay the bills? This is Created By. I don't know why my uh, video oh, just like we in the cl- Hey, wait a minute. What are you doing <laughs> in the closet, man? Yeah, man, I, this is like <laughs> the, the best sounding room I can be in. Okay, so full disclosure, it's pretty low tech here. I'm sitting between a wall of sweaters and button-down shirts and a collection of coats and a fairly large array of t-shirts. I've got my laptop on top of a shoebox and a mic that I have to hunch over. It goes without saying that I'm new to podcasting. But in the spirit of this show and in the pursuit of things creative, I'm pushing ahead anyway. So bear with me on the rough edges. Well, thanks for being my first guest. I'm the first one? You are, man. Thanks for choosing me to be your first, bro. Yeah, man, it felt appropriate. I'm speaking with Johan Kalilian. He's a motivational speaker, filmmaker, and an executive coach in Los Angeles. He took me on as a coaching client in 2018. Until then, I'd never written anything longer than 10 pages. After a few months of coaching, I'd finished my first ever full-length screenplay, and I was halfway through my second. Who is this guy on the other side, right? Well, born and raised in in Chicago, uh, which is why you guys can't see this, but we're both wearing Cubs hats. That's right. And uh, and, (laughs) currently loving The Last Dance, you know, the stories about Michael Jordan and growing up in the Bulls era. Really figuring out like, who am I? How am I supposed to show up in the world? What do I want to do with my life? in which basketball was a big part of my identity. I never really, I, I didn't view myself as an artist early on. I viewed myself as an athlete. And I didn't know even you could be both. That could be an, another conversation in and of itself in terms of like toxic masculinity and what we're mm-hmm. told as men about what it means to be a man and what it doesn't mean to be a man. Well, when basketball didn't work out, I wanted to be an ESPN broadcaster. And so I went to school to study communications, uh, became a person of faith, and then really felt like I needed to use my voice to help people find their own stories through my story. And that became my singular vision for a long time. Like, okay, I need to be a speaker. So I I, I cut my teeth in classrooms for four years, um, spoke all over the, the city of Chicago, you name it, like classrooms of 15 to all the way up to 50. How old were you at that time? I started in classrooms when I was 20. So then I was 24, had my first big opportunity. I had some opportunities to be on talk shows. I was on the Tyra Banks show, I was on Today Show, a number of other smaller shows. Then my first conference opened up. From my first conference, I had, it was 25 minutes of speaking time. Told a couple stories and brought it home to a point. And then there were some people there from New Mexico and they were like, hey, why don't you come speak in New Mexico? And I was like, wow, I've never had an opportunity to leave Chicago. So this was a big, a big moment for me in my career. I did a tour of all the schools in this uh, town called Las Cruces, New Mexico. And I remember there was a school, 1500 kids that I was speaking at a high school. Literally the whole gymnasium was packed all the way around. My first speaking 
opportunity was 15 kids four years prior to that. And little did I know that that little small moment would prepare me to speak to 1,500. Speaking is an art form. It's not just go out there and like, I'm gonna give you a PowerPoint. I don't, I don't do the PowerPoint thing. I, I perform, I emote, I tell stories and I invite people into a larger experience than just like, hey, I'm gonna say a whole bunch of words. The, the big talk that I've become popular for within um, the youth market, I, I give a really big talk called The Crazy Ones. And the essence of it is the people who are crazy enough to think they could change the world are the ones that do. Um, and that's what I've become known for is just going around the world, recruiting crazy ones, recruiting people who wanna be a part of shifting things in the world that we live in. Now, as I've gotten older, I do a lot more coaching, personal development based stuff, workshops with companies and things like that. Uh, I've done a TED talk. How did that come about? So it's interesting because the thing that was holding me back, so I realized that I was only taking speaking gigs that I felt like I could be successful at, right? So then I read a book by Booker T. Washington called Up From Slavery. And he shares a story about taking a talk, like he basically accepted an invitation to, to give a talk that was like, I think it was like five to 10 minutes. And then he had to travel for a very long time for this very small talk but he kind of sensed that this was something that was necessary for him. So I looked at that and I was like, wow, what, is it, what does it look like to take these talks that you deem as either too big or too small in life and kind of step into those things? There was a church actually in San Diego that my friend was like, hey, they wanted me to speak, but I'm not available. So come, can you take my place? My, my previous self would be like, that's too small for me. And I was like, you know what? I want to do that. So I stepped into it. And then from there, there was a, a girl who came up afterwards and she was like, oh, I really love what you had to say. I'm connected to um, TED organization. They're doing a talk in Monterey. Do you want to give a talk there? And, and again, so then that other part of me, right, where so it's either too insignificant or it's too big. Then the too big part came up. I was like, oh. And then I already, you know, made up my mind to be like, you lean into these moments. So I was like, yes, I would, I would love to do that. And then I was terrified. The process was, first they were like, pitch us three ideas. So I pitched three ideas. How long did you have to prepare those pitches? Well, I emailed them that day. They got back to me like two days later. And then they said that and I, I emailed them my ideas like the next day. So yeah, they were not, like, not a lot of turnaround time. Not, not a lot of turnaround, yeah. So I pitched three ideas, they accepted one. And then they were like, okay, write a script. I sent them the script. And they were like, now we want you to record it. Record yourself. <laughs> doing this and then send it to us. We got to okay that, which I'm like, this is the most rigorous, you know, <laughs> process. So um, recorded myself, sent it to them. They gave me the green light and they gave me um, 12 minutes, I believe. <laughs> it was crazy because literally I ended at the 12 minute mark and because the, they give you a time thing. And the lady who was doing the time, she's like, once it, it, it hit 12 minutes and then you got up and you walked off, I thought you were joking. So she's like, I don't know how, she's like, I don't know how you exactly hit it at 12 minutes, but I was like, I plan for You're that. You're pro, you know? man. I'm a pro. Now, where you said you were 24 at the time. Do you feel like your perspective has changed since then? Or did you feel even then that you had a pretty firm grip on this, oh, man. this voice? <laughs> Let's be real with it. I have shifted so many times since my 24 year old self, you know, <laughs> and, I, and, and, you know, that being said, I do feel like there were some things that I knew and there were some things that. Um, I think set me apart as a leader and as a communicator. And at the same time, I did not know what the hell 
I was doing, you know? So now I'm 40 years old and I feel like honestly, I'm just getting started. Hmm. Like all the things that have led up to this moment have brought me to a place of here I am this next 40 years, if I live to be 80, are gonna be more potent than the last. What would you tell yourself as a younger man? Man, there'd be a lot of different messages. I actually just put together, um, so I'm doing a talk for a high school, because right now in this virtual world that we're living in, which I think it's fascinating to come out with this podcast right now, it's pretty cool, because this is the way that we're consuming everything now, you know? Um, I, I cooked up a, an idea that essentially was like, what if the things that happened to us didn't happen to us, they happened for us? And what if we would start to interpret life through that lens? When I was 17 years old, my academic counselor told me, you know, I brought a letter to her that I was gonna go play basketball at the University of Chicago and they wanted me to come play basketball there. And I, I didn't know what my next steps were. And she just looked at me and she said, well, you're not, you're not smart enough. Like you don't have what it takes to make it here. And my 17 year old self believed that. I, I wasn't confident in my academic skills, so I made a choice from a place of fear and doubt and insecurity. And at the time, I'm like, man, this sucks that this happened to me. As I look back, I realized, well, that moment really happened for me because it, it was from that moment that I discovered, you know, my pursuit as a speaker, that I wanted to be a voice for other people, that I wanted to make sure that that type of thing didn't happen on my watch to kids who have big dreams and aspirations. There's a part of me is like, do I go back to my younger self and say, hey, don't listen to her? Because a, a part of me would love to see, well, what would have happened with my life if I just did it anyway? Would I would I have discovered where I'm at right now? If I would have given myself, oh, and you know what, you're gonna get three months instead of two years. Would I go back and tell myself, okay, here's the lesson you're gonna learn in two years. Now you got it. Now see where I go, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if I have an answer because I, I kind of like just the questions of that, you know? from an artistic standpoint, I think maybe that would be the thing is to go back to a younger version of myself and say, don't limit what you have access to. All right, we're gonna change it up here just a little bit. I wanna do something a little different. Uh, I've got a series of questions here. I wanna do a little bit of a lightning round. Are you ready for that? Okay, okay, cool. All right, here we go. Texting or talking? Oh, texting. Sweet or savory? Sweet. All right, what's your favorite snack? Oh, uh, a dark chocolate covered raisins. That's a hard one because I'm a snack lover. <laughs> Are you a morning person or a night person? Uh, night. What's the last movie you watched? Oh my gosh. Uh, well, are we talking about theaters? Because this is the age of COVID right now. You know, I haven't been in the movies for a long time. <laughs> could be Netflix, could be anything. The last movie was actually Onward. Onward, Pixar. <laughs> yeah, the Pixar movie. And I'm kind of ashamed of that, but you know, I'm gonna own it. I watched it. I yeah. <laughs> What's the last TV show you watched? Oh, so I'm watching Money Heist right now. I actually watched uh, an episode last night. One of my friends who doesn't recommend things suggested it, so Money Heist. How many spritzes of cologne is appropriate? Well, I only do two to three. Two to three. You don't want to overwhelm people. Do you talk during movies? Yes, well, oh. It depends on how good the movie is. If it's like, okay, I'm gonna talk. If it's really bad, I'm talking throughout the whole thing. On a scale of one to 10, how good of a singer are you? You know what? I'm a, I'm a 5.5. Nice, I like that positivity, that's good. 
On a scale of one to 10, how good of a dancer are you? Ooh, I think I'm a seven. Would you rather have super strength or super speed? Uh, super strength. Ask for permission or forgiveness? Uh, forgiveness. Have you ever gone to see a movie alone? Yes. What movie was it? I've gone to see a lot of movies alone. I, well, because I, I had the AMC, you know, uh, and so a lot of times people don't want to go. I'm like, I'm just going to go. I can't remember the last one that I saw alone because I've done it so many times. Have you ever sent food back at a restaurant? Yes. Why? Uh, it tastes like shit. <laughs> well, something, you know, hair. There was hair in it, or there's been times where it wasn't the thing that I ordered. So I'm That's like, oh, I got to take this back. Yeah. Are you allergic to anything? No. I'm surprisingly not allergic to anything. Name three artists who won a Grammy last year. Oh my gosh. Yeah, good luck. Did Chance win last year? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't watch the Grammy, so. It's, it's a trick question. It's proof of how old we are, I think. Okay, perfect. If you could guest star on any TV show, what show would that be? Currently on right now you're talking about, or just like all time? Could be all time. Ooh. I mean, I would love to be on The Wire. I think that would be, like, to go back in time and be on The Wire would be a dream come true. That's my favorite all-time TV show. And finally, what is the nerdiest thing about you? The nerdiest thing about me? Well, I think, I mean, it's probably... <sighs> I think there's a lot of nerdy things. Um, I think you, it's... You could pick as many as you yeah, want. Yeah, okay. Well, I think it's the way that I break down movies. I go with people to movies, and I'm like, oh, did you see that scene? It was because of this, and this happened. and. And sometimes, depending on who's with me, I could see that they're annoyed by it, you know? <laughs> um, I, so I, as a coach, our coaching philosophy is rooted in ontology and phenomenology. You know, I can have a conversation about ontology with people which is the study of being. Uh, phenomenology is the study of lived experience. This is the simplified version of it, of course. So things like that, you know, where people start to fall asleep when I start to talk about these things. <laughs>
And I think what we do as people oftentimes is without fully knowing what it means to be a thing, we will say we're not that thing. So for example, for me, I'm like, well, I'm a speaker, I'm not a writer. And I didn't fully understand what it took to be a writer. And that's where that statement came from. And then once I decided to jump in, I was like, oh, a lot of the muscles that I have as a speaker fit in to what it means to be a writer. It's just about learning this new medium because, you know, as a speaker, I take ideas and then I present them live to an audience, right? In a way that is, ten, is uh, you know, accessible. And I do that by telling stories and then having my little pithy lines and, you know, takeaway quotes that people can use. And then as a, you know, as a screenwriter, you, you do the same thing. You're communicating ideas and themes. You're just doing it in a way where you're like, I know this is going to be represented visually. And even, you know, as well as an actor is learning, well, how do I communicate that? The subtlety to the message and, and, and the point of this project. Um, it To me, yeah, they're all related and all the talents that I have gathered as a speaker really translated well into both acting and writing. Well, it's kind of like technique, right? Like you pivot into just various techniques that work for different different things. I recognize a lot of that same thing when it comes to uh, like shorts I've directed or, or promos I've directed, like the same disciplines that come into uh, design, uh, like layout and color and, and all those different things. Uh, they're the same, but they also require a little bit of a pivot. Okay. Like the, my relationship to this is different because of the medium. It's like brush strokes, you know, and I think that's a really fascinating uh, element. So when you have an idea, when you start out with the inspiration to start something, or for that matter, when you are tasked with writing something, what are your first steps? My first steps is actually, and I don't know if, if this is going to be helpful if they don't, if people don't know kind of like the process. Let's assume not everyone knows the process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's basically like I lay out the moments of the story without dialogue, without fully building out all the characters. I'll, I'll give the primary plot points a go first. And does that just come to you in order? Or like, how do you, how do you arrange that? You know what? It, sometimes I'll have, so it, it's never the same. It's never the same. There's times where I wake up with ideas. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, I'm sure. I don't know if that happens to you uh, as a writer. Th sure. There was an idea that, that it just like, it woke me up. And then I just started to, to plug down the things that I thought. What I have right now is, is the opening for a pilot what is going to be a bigger series and that all just stem from one early morning wake-up idea um, sometimes i'll write down a log line so that is you know your protagonist um what they want and what stands in their way uh, which is usually like three or four lines you know um sometimes i'll work from that first and then build everything out um sometimes it is just thinking about um a f one funny scene you know, or one interesting scene, one compelling scene, a scene where it's hard for my person, like my protagonist to get the thing that they want. And then that can build out everything else. So I don't, I don't think I have, I'm married to one way. It's just whatever will inspire me. I kind of like allow almost the, the beauty of the creative process to take hold. Something that I, that I encounter all the time is if I'm ideating or if I'm going through a list of like, okay, well this could happen and this could happen. I start generating all these possibilities and then suddenly the, the point comes when you have to decide on a path, you know, that's going to dictate everything that comes after it. And that can be really difficult because you have this idea of like, well, if I do that, then I'm missing out. I could be missing out on all this potential over here. 
like for me that can be a blocker sometimes and it prevents me from writing anything but for you how do you how do you handle that decision point you know it's absolutely interesting because i i feel like i just choose what what i deem as the most compelling thing you know because i already understand i'm like there's so many possibilities so what interests me the most that's what i'm gonna choose yeah like Mm -hmm. i'm like this to me is the most interesting thing to pursue and i think that translates for us as we talk about life i think many times we paralyze ourselves with you know the plethora of options that are in front of us the the all the possibilities of like what if i choose this and i miss out on all that it happens to me all the time that's why i'm 40 years old i'm still single uh (laughs) you know And, and and i think i do a better job as a writer to be like oh this is really interesting to me because i I know that it's it's still fiction, whereas when it comes to me, right, and I'm like I'm life choosing, decisions. yeah, I'm like mm-hmm. I'm choosing a wife. I'm like that's real. So I real stakes. The other, yeah, it's real stakes, right? Where when I get to play with the script, I'm like, oh, it'd be cool to to create this and see what happens. Whereas I'm like I I don't want to do that with myself, <laughs> but I'm you know, and that's the thing. What I work on, you know, just growing from a leadership development standpoint is knowing the power of commitment and you know, the importance and the choice to commit is about growth. You know, when you choose to commit to something, someone, a a, a mission, a person, a profession, you grow. And that sometimes is the point, Hmm. as opposed to, you know, making the right decision. So what is on the horizon for you? What's a what's a goal you set for yourself right now? One, just pick you can pick as many as you want <laughs> as many as you want i'm like well you know you and i i feel like it's fitting to talk about one that you and i are working on where this is uh, going to be my second short film and i would say this is the one that i was even preparing for because i care about this one deeply i've gotten so much great feedback on it it's called predictor it basically takes back in the future uh takes place in sort of like a black mirrorish type world um it's an it's it's about a couple who interact with an app that gives them glimpses of their future and whether or not they're going to make it together right like will they be a good fit will they not be a good fit and um i'm really really excited about bringing this to life i have um two pilots that i'm working on so you actually helped me help me with the pitch deck for one of them it's called the cloth it's about an atheist catholic priest who investigates supernatural cases um awesome yeah another one is is uh sorta rican it's called sorta rican it's about you know not being latino enough um in america um and then there's another one while we're in quarantine i cooked up uh it's about an agoraphobe who first celebrates the quarantine and and then he falls in love with somebody online who gets sick and then he basically decides to leave for her um somebody who didn't want the outside world who now is willing to go outside because of love i love that yeah. That's beautiful. So, yeah, I have, you know me, man, I got, so, and I'm also working on my next book um, and that's called Mind Your Bigness and really believing that everyone has a big, bright, bold future. Um, and it's our choice to bring that thing to life. The hardest lesson that I learned early on was stop preserving your success. Hmm. So I, I, I got good fast. And then I was protecting being good at it instead of taking risks in it so that I can keep growing. And that was a really hard lesson for me to see how my ego had taken over. 
um, as opposed to really being dedicated to the craft of it, and, you know, the art form of it. I got a lot of praise and feedback early on. So I was like, oh, this is the way it works. Like, you know, when you're supposed to do a thing, you're good at it off the bat. When I moved to LA and I started to pursue acting, I was like, man, there's so many obstacles. <laughs> you know, it was like, I, you know, how do I get an agent? How do I get indoors? Um, then when I started to audition, I was like, auditioning is really hard. And, you know, um, and then you can have a great audition and then that not work out. So, it, it, you know, I, my first framework was like, oh, when you're supposed to do something, all the doors open and like, it's easy. It's meant then, to be. Yeah, it's meant to be. And then when you, and then when I came over here, I was like, dang, it's so dang hard. <laughs> and, and there's, what's the, what's the way to get in? Yeah. <laughs> you know? I think we talked about it in the past where like I was expressing to you how I was also getting very positive reinforcement about the things I chose to, to work on creatively. And uh, I felt like it was destined to be. And after a while I started looking around going, okay, well, why, why isn't it here yet? And that's uh, yeah, that was a, a lesson I learned way later than I'm comfortable admitting. Yeah. And I think, and that's part of, you know, with the work that I do now as a coach, helping people fi figure out what's getting in their way. A lot of times it's beliefs. And I think that's one of the most, I would say, toxic beliefs that what we think is meant to be is going to be easy. You know, um, whatever we feel called to, whatever our biggest passion is, it's going to come without <laughs> labor. Um, and I think actually one of the greatest gifts to your passion is the labor, is, is understanding that you become a totally different person when you're going after the things that you love and you're committed to it. You know, so really unearthing those beliefs and figuring out what's working for you, what's working against you is crucial to your success in that area. With all of the labor and the blood, sweat and tears that goes into all of these pursuits, what is it for you that makes it worthwhile? Yeah, I would say love. I, I love, I love storytelling. I love people. I love creating. Um, I, I love the unknown. I love uncertainty. I love figuring things out. There's a, there's a passion behind the pursuit of all these things. And I think I learned that early on too, is I can, I can pursue these things from a place of fear or need for validation, you know, proof that I'm good enough, that I have what it takes, or I can honestly love everything about it even if I'm not where I want to be or where I thought I was supposed to be, there's still love for where I'm at. And, and that's where I feel like within the later stages of my pursuits over here, I finally got into that groove, you know, where, where love fuels it all. If you'd like to learn more about Johan, you can check him out at his site. It's www.johankalilian.com. You can find some samples of his work there, and you can also buy his book, which he didn't ask me to plug, but I do think it's worth it. It's called Inside. It's about choosing which voices and ideas and values we listen to. Check him out on Instagram. He's at Johan Speaks, and you can look him up on YouTube as well to follow the awesome content he's putting out there. 
This podcast and its theme music are produced and mixed by me, Aaron Milas. Special thank you goes out to Jess Ryan at Broadway Unlocked for her support and infinite wisdom. You can follow her incredible podcast, Take Me to Coffee, where she and Andrew Call uh, from Hamilton sit down to a weekly coffee date with the best, brightest, and most inspiring people on the internet. It's a mentorship podcast for the digital age. I highly recommend it. Another excellent resource is the podcast, Go Do Create, from my friend Jess Brown. It's a great series of interviews about success, hard work, and vision. You can find Go Do Create and Take Me to Coffee on iTunes and Spotify. To find out more about this show, check out createdby-podcast.com. That's createdby-podcast.com. You can follow Created By on Twitter, at created underscore podcast and on Instagram at created by podcast. If you want to find me on Instagram, I'm at Mars Milas, where I shock and inspire the world with pictures of dogs and food. Finally, please hit that subscribe button. Let me know what you think of the reviews. And if you're giving out stars, I sure would appreciate five of them. I appreciate you listening. I really do. Like I said, this is a new experience for me. It's a learning process, and I'm going to keep getting better. I hope you're out there being creative, taking those risks, and pushing the ball forward on whatever passion project you've got cooking. There's a new episode out next Wednesday. Tell your friends, tell your family, your dogs. I think you're going to like it.